Life is busy, especially if you've got a very important podcast to host. If you want fewer trips to the grocery store and a freezer full of meat, get ButcherBox. They've got incredible deals on high-quality meat and seafood, and it's delivered right to your door. You can customise your ButcherBox plan, and they'll throw in recipes, tips, guides, and hacks. ButcherBox meat is humanely raised. There are no antibiotics or added hormones, so you can choose from grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, crate-free pork, and wild-caught seafood. And shipping is 100% free. Sign up at butcherbox.com underworld and use the code underworld to get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. That's butcherbox.com underworld and the code underworld to choose your free-for-a-year offer. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. It's early 2020 in the Indian town of Molipur, Gujarat. Shoaib Davda is a wiry bangle merchant with an even more wiry beard, and he's in deep trouble. His store is failing, and since his father's death, he's the sole breadwinner for his wife and five kids. Davda needs to think quick. Northern Gujarat is agri-country, so he gets a fat loan from the bank, over $20,000, and spends it on cattle and a cow shed. Safe bets, or so he thinks. Soon after, COVID hits. The government in New Delhi acts and almost 1.4 billion people are locked down. Industry grinds to a halt. People go without food in Gujarat, and Davda's budding business dies almost overnight. It's a disaster. Davda is desperate, and he needs a quick fix. Fortunately, Gujarat is home to one of the most thriving human trafficking networks on Earth, ferrying people from the massive, 60 million populated state into North America and Europe. A friend tells Davda he can make bank working on a Mediterranean island named Malta, but he can't fly there direct. Instead, Davda will get to Moscow, where contacts will hook him up with a Maltese visa. By January 2022, Davda is in the Russian capital, where he meets a man he's only known via the messaging app Telegram as Misha. Only Davda never makes it to Malta. Instead, Misha dispatches him to a suburban Moscow factory, where he boxes toys by day and sleeps beside other South Asian men in the building by night. Davda is working illegally, and his paymasters are the Russian mob. But it gets weirder. Two weeks in, somebody offers Davda the chance to play an indoor version of cricket, India's national obsession, in a bare-walled Moscow sports hall for around 700 bucks a month. He leaps at the chance, even if, by his own admission, Davda's not much good at the game himself. The games are even stranger than they're advertised to him. There's a league, but nobody appears to know what it is, and everything is broadcast by a host of expensive cameras to streaming links on a local betting site. His isn't the only league. 
Across the former Soviet bloc, Russian gambling sites are streaming so-called ghost games in sports like volleyball, soccer, table tennis, to dark corners of the web to be bet on. Among them is one of the world's largest digital sports books, founded by a trio of men, including a former Kremlin intelligence official named Sergei Kashkov. It's long been known to stream dodgy and illegal events like cop fights and even kids sports, and its associates include men accused of drug dealing and money laundering. Its name is 1xBet. Two months later, Davda returns to Mollipur, a little less in the red and a lot more confused. But Misha isn't done with him. If Davda can set up a cricket tournament in Mollipur, the gang could pocket some of the crazy money being gambled on cricket by Indians themselves supercharged by the popularity of the Indian Premier League, or IPL, one of the richest sports events on the planet. And not coincidentally, the focus of multiple match-fixing and betting scandals since its 2008 foundation. Indians are already streaming amateur matches to 1xBet's live pages, but they're terrible, no better than the dreadful imitations in Europe in which Davta himself took part, and so obviously rigged that no Indian would confuse them with the real deal. Make something that looks and feels like the IPL, and Davda might fall punters and bring home a slice of his nation's estimated $150 billion illegal gambling black market. However small a slice that is. That means players, uniforms, equipment, broadcast tech, and, toughest of all, a stadium. From nothing. It's a Herculean, harebrained task. But Davta's still drowning in debt, his businesses are sunk, and Misha is on his case. In truth, he doesn't really have a choice. Davta says yes. What happens next is one of the strangest sport crime capers ever. And earlier this year, I travelled to Monipur to report it. Welcome to the Underworld Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to the show that dives headfirst into the murk of global organized crime. I'm your host, Sean Williams. I'm joined by my journalist and documentarian companion, Danny Gold. We've been all over reporting goodies, baddies, and most everybody in between. And today is, drum roll, cricket time. Finally, (laughs) I can hear Danny's sighs, but after about a year on this story, and it published earlier this month for Sports Illustrated, we're going to talk about a piece I thought was going to be a fun, jaunty caper, but ended up winding through Russian organized crime, digital sports books, money laundering, triads, and even a former FSB agent dead on a Swiss hospital gurney. This one got real fast, real quick. So uh, yeah, I think we're going to do it in kind of a Q&A format. You're going to ask me some questions about it because it's like, it's a pretty weird piece uh, and it yeah. really didn't end up being what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, we'll get into the narrative of it too, but uh, I legitimately can't think of a story better suited for us. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> Russian mafia, gambling schemes, cricket, like if you add it in bathtub meth, it would literally align with all of our interests in one package. It's just perfect subject matter. But um, <laughs> yeah, this was part of Sean's like insane string of incredible long form magazine pieces this past month. If you haven't read them, there was one in Harper's on the Nepalese weed trade, one in um in Rolling Stone about a con man that con Sean as he was writing the story about the con man, which is crazy. If you haven't read them, uh, please do, but also listen to this entire podcast first. As always, 
bonus stuff on patreon.com slash the world podcast or on iTunes for $5 a month. Also, I want to shout out our dude Podus, who I met for the first time when he was working at a, uh, like a, a booth at the Italian festival in, um, in little Italy. And I was $5 short on a sandwich and he hooked it up. So if you don't want to pay us $5 a month for bonus episodes, if you see me in the streets, you can give me $5 for a sandwich. And like that, that counts as well. But also <laughs> YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, rate, subscribe, vote, volunteer, send us best buy gift, gift cards that you've stolen from people, you know, the usual stuff. But, um, yeah, sorry, I'm rambling. Sean, first question. <laughs> we, 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 yeah. If you in the future hear about any fixed games where bets are being taken, even if it's cricket, can you let me know ahead of time? Yeah, I will. Um, actually, interestingly, like for this piece, I have found out there's like one of the greatest Twitter accounts that I've seen, and it's in French, and I can't remember the name of it, but I've got it written down somewhere, and it's a guy who just flags up like the last minutes of sports matches around the world where things are going clearly wrong. So it's like, he's like, uh, Malaysian Premier League, uh, Kuala Lumpur FC are 5-0 up. Uh, it's nearly 90 minutes time. So you might want to get your bets on, on the 5-0 win, stuff like this. Um, which is pretty, I mean, the whole world is sus as, uh, but yeah, I, I found out some little tricks and places to look. And there's all those folk, like folks that courtside as well, right? So they stand there or sit at games and they just like kind of make bets and they try and pwn all of the digital sports books, some because they hate them. There's a really good BBC documentary about it. So yeah, this like, this crazy story of an Indian fake league actually explodes into a whole world of just kind of skullduggery and all kinds of weird stuff. Um, yeah, but I, I'm going to try and stay on the beat because uh, Sports Illustrated want me to do some more stuff and I'm in Asia or New York editors think I'm in Asia. So uh, I'm going to try and get out to, I don't know, Southeast Asia or something and see what the deal is with all of these fake stuff. And also, if people want to know more about the kind of stuff that this leads to, we did that show a while back with uh, Lindsay Kennedy and Nathan Southern where they were talking about slave armies in Southeast Asia, like casino syndicates, all tied into the meth trade. This is all part of the same world. A lot of those slave armies, they're working on these digital betting sites, and it's like really, really weird. So yeah, if anyone wants to look that up more, check out that episode, uh, and then look up somebody called Alvin Chow. I'm not going to say anything about him on this episode because he'll probably get sued, but... um He's a pretty crazy guy, a triad dude in uh, in Macau who got fitted up recently. So, um, yeah, this is a pretty big subject. And not many people are writing about it, too. Like, there's a few magazines. There's a, a magazine in Norway called Josimar, which does amazing stuff about corruption in sport. Interpol, you know, brings out a newsletter. But apart from that, there's nothing. And it's making billions and billions and billions of dollars. It's crazy. It's like a complete blind spot for the media. How do you how do you even hear about something like this and like how do you begin cracking it? How how do I hear that there's a fake cricket league in India? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like I remember seeing it. I, it was reported everywhere, but it was kind of like one of those things where the international media were, were doing a bit of stenography. And I think the Times of India, actually, the guy who would end up being my fixer, um, a guy. Well, actually, I won't say his name because he was doing a bit of a dodgy one off the side of his work, but. Um, a guy in Gujarat had been kind of picking up the pieces from all the police reports and putting together this story about the fake league. And then all these Western outlets, I think the New York Times and the Guardian picked it up 
And they were all saying, oh, this is like just such a cool story. These plucky villagers have like screwed over all of these betters. I think it was in three Russian cities. I think it's Voronezh, um, Moscow and somewhere else. I can't remember. Um, and I think because of the stuff that's going on in Ukraine, it kind of made the idea of screwing over Russian betters was a bit of an easy win. And they just used all of the police reports, but pretty much the moment I got out there, it just shows that they had not been given the full story, um, which was kind of annoying, to be honest. I was really out there to try and find out more about this fun, plucky caper, but um, yeah, it didn't, didn't really work out that way. So is this one of those things where your fixer did all this work and you just translated it into English, basically? <laughs> well, this is one of those situations where my fixer did a bunch of work and then took me to the police station. And then the minute I spoke to the police, I was like, well, hold on, that doesn't fit with that. Uh, and you didn't speak to any of these guys and you didn't. It, it was really, really weird. They were like laughing and joking, the cops. Um, I got a, So I went to the police station in a place called Mesana, which is the nearest kind of big city to Molipur, which is this tiny little village, like a few thousand people. Um, and all this is kind of north of Ahmedabad, which is the big city in Gujarat, home to five, six million people uh, on the west side of India. Never been out that way before. It was really cool. But the second the police started talking, they were kind of contradicting their own reports. The police reports, they did, they just printed out a bunch of police reports for me that they hadn't shown the media, which is pretty weird. Uh, and none of it was kind of adding up. And the more I spoke to people that were actually involved in it, they were like, well, the police never spoke to me. I never even spoke to the cops. So the cops had won this kind of regional award for breaking this case because I think it made international headlines. So everyone was really pleased with them. Um, but the second they gave me a bunch of phone numbers and said, these are the numbers of the people in Russia who had helped this guy set it up. Um, it turned out they hadn't even called them. And they just kind of put out, I think the most basic like milk toast call for help to the Russian authorities, which is obviously going to go nowhere. So when I started calling those numbers, that's when this sort of true story started to take shape and it became a lot darker, um, a lot quicker than I'd imagined. And then on day one, I went out to see this like millet field that these guys had turned into a stadium, which was pretty nuts. It was just in the back of nowhere. And I, we completely by chance, we met the main guy himself, Davda, um, the star of the intro here. And he was just like terrified, man. Like he, he was not acting in a way that you would expect somebody who'd found this kind of short lived fame, uh, for this funny story to be. And so I was prodding him and poking him with these questions. And it soon became clear that he was not the guy or the mastermind that we had been led to believe. Uh, so yeah, it kind of came tumbling out from there, but there's a lot more to it than that even. Yeah. So, I mean, that was one of the things I think that struck me. Like you mean to tell me there's tons of completely fake leagues, uh, of different sports and rig sporting events being conducted and bet on all over Russia. And like, there's some league that also allows you to bet on kids sports. Cause I actually, I would bet on that league, but the other stuff is a little too rigged for me. <laughs> yeah like kids boxing stuff like that cockfighting uh completely legit like there's marble runs and there's like foosball leagues uh, there's all kinds of weird shit like you can't access one x bet in the u.s or the uk or here in new zealand because uh they don't really like to touch 
countries that can actually do them any harm with the law. But, you know, if you've got half a brain, you can get around that kind of stuff. And uh, if you check out the live section on One Expert's website, you will find an absolute ton of really weird things going on. And like some of them are just made purely to be streamed, uh, such as the cricket leagues in Russia. I mean, you know, I don't need, I, I don't think anyone needs telling that Russia isn't massive on cricket. And if you go to the live section of One Expert's website, you will find tons of live games going on. Some they don't even bother streaming. Some they're just like updating a scoreline for teams that clearly don't exist. So they're just making up stuff. <laughs> um, that's it's that's pretty, incredible. It's pretty wild. And no one seems to give a shit. Um, there was like, there's a, te- there's a league that I found on there because I thought I better do my due diligence and make sure that this stuff is actually rigged. And if you know anything about cricket, right, there's guys holding the bats. I don't. Right, so imagine you're holding a cricket bat. It's got a handle and a big fat wooden bit that you hold, a bit like a baseball bat. But there's guys like that are playing where they're holding the bottom of the bat as if it's like a hockey stick, and they're trying to hit the ball. Like This is supposed to be a legit cricket league, and there are people who have never played the game. And then as we went, like, I guess as I went further into my research and found the guy who was Misha, um, he was sending me a bunch of screenshots from stuff that he was like broadcasting live at that moment from a city called Yaroslava, which is just outside of Moscow. And there there was a bunch of guys, I think he was, it was purported to be a US versus UK cricket match with guys called like Alfred Arthurston and like William McDonnell and shit like this. And you look to them, they're all clearly Russian guys. They don't know how to throw the ball. They're just like kind of chucking it like a baseball. Um, so like, what is, what is the point of these things? They're so, so weird. Um, Josimar, the magazine that I spoke about before, they geolocated some of these weird events and they found sports halls in Moscow. I think Kiev, I think it was Kiev and there was another one in Minsk. So it's all like former Soviet Union cities. They're just like whitewashed walls, no spectators. And this is like basketball, volleyball. It's such a weird corner of the internet. But then folks that I spoke to that follow this stuff say that they've tracked like millions of dollars going through online wallets just for this like yeah. random shit. I'm surprised there's that much that much gambling going on. But I also didn't know that the Indian Premier League cricket is massively successful and generates a ton of money. But I guess that makes sense with it being like, you know, the most populous country in the world and also uh, the most popular sport there, I would assume. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, I, I'm someone who... Uh, I don't even pay that much attention to the NFL anymore, but I still bet parlays like three times a week uh, where I have no idea what's going on. I'll just listen to my brother or bet a bunch of overs because gambling is, is really fun. Like it actually rules. And uh, I totally get <laughs> I think why we can, I think random we can all, weirdos that's, that's what we can take away would bet on, on. Yeah. How are we not sponsored by any gambling uh, apps, by the way? I mean, this is like a, a missed opportunity. I actually will spend money on you and lose it too. But uh, yeah, yeah the story sure this story was right? advertising or not from this episode. Uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, six leg parlays, baby. Nothing better to spend ten dollars on. But this guy, uh, this guy Davda, right? He ends up in Moscow, kind of royally screwed, like so many migrants who are lied to and all that stuff. But he gets recruited basically into some sort of like Russian, not the Russian mafia, but Russian organized crime. Yeah, yeah. So he gets like. He gets picked up by, by human traffickers in his village. 
And they're like, okay, you can get to Malta. Obviously, guy from Western India doesn't know where the hell Malta is. And so they send him to Moscow first. This is actually a huge, huge human trafficking route. Like people from Gujarat, it's quite well documented now that they've been found on the borders of the US in Canada. People have been going through Mexico. A lot of people are going through Gujarat. I think it's between 60 and 70 million people. So it's the size of a pretty decent, you know, pretty decent sized state. Very poor, very arid, not a lot of money getting injected into it. Loads of Modi's like, you know, Indian Renaissance stuff isn't getting funneled into these areas. Um, so people are leaving and he just became one of these. I think it's, there, there is some crazy stat like, 20 or 30,000 people have left in the last year or something like this illegally. Um, there was a recent case that a friend of mine uh, in India reported where a whole family uh, of Gujaratis were found dead on the Canadian-US border, like frozen to death, because obviously they don't know where they're going. So this guy just becomes a stat, uh, and he just like ends up in a part of eastern Moscow Um I think I can say the name of it. I think it's called Ismailovska. And it's known as a kind of weird combination of historic buildings, old Orthodox churches and quite nice lakes, but also obviously your, your massive Soviet Plattenbau blocks and everything like that. And he ends up in a toy factory, stacking shells, essentially, just boxing up toys and doing stuff like that in a warehouse, sleeping in bunks with a bunch of other guys from, from South Asia by night. And he's kind of a, you know, skinny guy, little pot belly, doesn't really like hauling a bunch of shit for his job every day. So when he gets told he can play cricket for a living, uh, he jumps at the chance. And then he ends up playing one of these strange matches. Um, I'll put a bunch of like screenshots and stuff. People can see some pictures on online, uh, the story as well. The link obviously we'll, we'll throw on this episode, but he just, it gets into this really weird world, which is quite well established there. Um, and as part of the story, I spoke to the head of the Russian Cricket Federation, who is Indian, of course. Uh, he's lived in Russia for like 20, 30 years. And he was saying, yes, this is a massive problem. Uh, and it's really hard to parse what we're trying to do, i.e. grow the game in this sort of alien culture with people using the game as a Trojan horse to, to traffic bunches of people. Um, and as I carried on doing my reporting, I heard about a guy called Zubir who was essentially a, a kind of like trafficking fixer and he would hook up these games for the betting websites. Um, and he told me that there was a, a kind of local parlay. There was two forms of games. So there was a legit game, which would be held in Moscow and there was a completely fixed, made-up game, which would be held in Yaroslavl. So Moscow is kind of shorthand for legit, and Yaroslavl is shorthand for very not legit. And uh, it was the latter that one expect was getting into. And uh, Yeah, so this is a little more real than that that Burke Kreischer story, right? So he runs with these mob guys for a bit in Russia, doing the fake games, doing some real games, and then they're like, hey, why don't you go back to India and do it from there too? but also fake or real or what? Yeah, so this is when it gets a bit complicated. He heads back uh, a couple months after he starts playing these weird cricket matches in Moscow. And when he gets back, he gets tapped up by Misha, the former fixer in Moscow. And Misha has worked with a bunch of Indian guys who have tried and failed 
to set up fake IPL leagues in India. Now, they've done one example of this before they get to Davda, and it's in a place called Mirut, which is near Delhi. Uh, and I spoke to the guy who tried to set that up, a guy called Ashok Chowdhury. He was arrested as part of this whole scam. And he said they tried to set up uh, TV cables and audio broadcast equipment, but monkeys kept chewing through the cable. So uh, they kind of couldn't make this stadium that the Russians wanted to make to broadcast their fake league. And the reason that the Russians want this fake game to look like the real deal is twofold. So one, you've got this advent of the IPL, the Indian Premier League, and it's the second most lucrative per game tournament on earth. It's just grown out of nothing. It's become unbelievably monetized and commercial. And, you know, players' kits look like a sort of F1 outfit. Uh, every single act of the game is sponsored. Every single match is packed to the rafters. And this is India, right? So you've got games of like 120,000, 130,000 people at a match. And this is on one side. So obviously... People are betting in droves on this huge, glitzy tournament, except that all forms of betting in India are illegal. So they're doing it all on the black market. And so on the other side of the, this coin, you've got these weird fake games in Russia. You've got folks broadcasting kind of backyard tournaments and games in parks and just shitty, bad-looking cricket online to this weird site, 1xbet, just trying to claw whatever betting money they can get. So the Russians think, okay, if Indians are betting billions of dollars on the real deal, and there's such a huge clamor for it in India that they're willing to bet on any old Tom, Dick and Harry that makes a cricket league that doesn't even look real, if we make something for a few thousand bucks that looks real, then we can hook in enough punters in India to get a slice of that estimated $150 billion. So I hope this is making sense, but that is where the logic comes about for this guy to then build this pretty insane stadium and league. And he sets this whole thing up himself. Like, it's pretty genius, actually. It's, it's, it's like beyond genius. It's incredible. He does it in a couple months. He rents this field that's used by a millet farmer. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's not even in Molipur. It's like a few minutes out of town, like a couple miles drive outside of the main village. And then <laughs> it's crazy, right? So he gets all of these kits for the teams. That's just the beginning. He plows the field into like a, a nice pitch. He makes the kind of strip that you would play cricket on, like a kind of, I don't know, I guess the what you would bowl to the batter uh, between. And then he gets five HD cameras two LED screens, walkie-talkies, and halogen lamps, all from Ahmedabad, which is hours away. And then he, <laughs> he sets it all up. So you've got floodlight pylons, and you've got broadcast equipment ready to go. You've got a boundary line. You've got this like kind of snip-tin shed that he does commentary from. And by the way, one of the guys they bring from this failed league in Mirut called Saqib Saifi, He's a guy that can kind of do ventriloquism uh, or like imitate people's voices rather. So they get him to imitate India's most famous cricket commentator. They get other guys to sort of broadcast stuff with the LED screens between Russia 
and Mollypore and back again so that they can fix the games as to whatever Misha wants at the end of a Telegram messaging app. So in two months, with almost no money and really nothing to go on, he builds a full cricket stadium and then he starts paying pals and sort of poor farmhands in Mollypore five bucks a day to play. And for them, it's a lot of money. That's like twice the daily wage. And he'll pay them per game, which will last a couple hours max. So they're getting up to four or five times their daily wage. They're, they're jumping at the chance to do it. And then he starts streaming these games. Um, and from my reporting, I saw some of the, the kind of back and forths on Telegram between Misha and the, the folks in the commentary box. And it's like, you want them to lose now? You want, you want this team to lose now? Okay. Okay. Do it now. I don't want this team to win. I want this team to win. So it gets pretty weird pretty quickly. And all the players realize that they're playing in a kind of fixed game because someone's going to hit a home run and then the umpire signals that he's out instead. And it gets a bit weird. Um, and so the players realize really quickly what's going on, but they, they, you know, they like the color of money, so they don't mind too much. But then after a while, some weird guys start showing up alongside the villagers who are just intrigued about what's going on. And, uh, yeah, it goes south pretty soon after. And they, yeah, they get, they get caught pretty quickly, right? Yeah. It's only, a, I, I think it's like a week or two after they begin. Uh, so they're playing like, uh, inverted commas quarterfinal match. Uh, and these, this kind of half dozen guys or a dozen guys that have been sitting on the boundary of the field suddenly get up and start running at the players and everyone starts scattering. But only one of them is really running away and it's Davda. Uh, there's this really kind of funny moment that where I spoke to one of the players who was a cap, proposed captain of one of the teams. And, uh, he said that he had like once someone had smacked the ball out of the pitch into the long grass beyond and he goes into the field to go and fetch it and then he sees these cops running onto the pitch and he decides to like lay down in the long grass and try and hide from the cops and then he realized like what the hell i don't i haven't even done anything wrong one of the cops comes over to him and says no no, no don't worry about the ball uh, and they and they shut everything down um but that's when the official story kind of ends uh, and that's when the cops kind of very quickly sew everything up and don't really look into anything else. But obviously there's tons more going on. So I take it that there's always been these sort of like scammed games or, or, or you know, fixing it in this sport in general. But I guess the advention, the advention, the invention of like, you know, streaming and gambling online, gambling easier, just kind of cracks this wide open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cricket is so supposedly a gentleman's sport, but it's, it's like so riddled with match fixing and betting scandals that it's crazy. It's probably the most corrupt sport on the planet. Um, I found out, I didn't actually know this, but I found out when I was sort of researching this story that it was even the, the laws of the game were only formulated so that they would clear up betting disputes between English aristocrats in like the 1700s. So that was the whole, the whole point of the game being codified was to settle bets. And there have been tons and tons of scandals all throughout. Like there was a there's a Netflix documentary out now about a massive Indian scandal in the nineties. Anyone who knows cricket knows about it. Like down the careers of some of the biggest players on the planet. Uh, and and then you know going into the early two thousands, there have been 
There was a bunch of Pakistani players, including the national captain, who were arrested in England trying to throw games. The reason for all of this is that, I guess similar to other bat and ball sports, you can bet on like tiny, tiny details. So you can you can bet that a ball is going to be a wide or a no ball. I mean, these are, you don't need to know what these things are, but they're basically <laughs> like, you know, you can, you can basically bet on balls and strikes and walks and bulks and everything in cricket. Nice. And that means I love that, a good, I love yeah. a good prop bet, dude. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'll, I'm bet on the, I'll bet on the coin at the Super Bowl. I'll bet on the coin being flipped. You know what I'm saying? Like I love a good, <laughs> a good prop bet. So I'm glad to see our Indian brothers do as well. Oh yeah, but, so I mean, yeah. but that that means you can just like if you want to rig a game, right? If you're a boxer, you're gonna have to like hit the deck or get knocked out. But in cricket, you can just like step over a line by an inch, and you can fix a small part of the game. So it makes everything so easy and hard to detect. Yeah, yeah. But the dude at really the center of this though is right, some Russian oligarch or some gambling tycoon or a mafioso or Putin descendant who gets murdered, like or all three. <laughs> I mean, what's his? What's his story and how did you unravel this? Yeah. So one, it was the, the key was getting through to Misha, right? Cause the Misha hadn't been spoken to by the cops. I think they were scared about shaking a hornet's nest or like getting involved in what the real story might be in case they had to do some proper work. But once that guy started telling me that he was, he was essentially a broadcast engineer and he was helping people set up fake games in Russia for one X bet. And then suddenly one expert is involved. Um, and there's a bunch of interesting information on this, com- uh, this company. They're like just insane levels of open crime involved. I mean, they enter poorer markets where the government can be bought or people can be, you know, cops can be bought off. Uh, they don't operate in the majority of sort of rich Western nations because they know they'll get pwned. But they do advertise hugely in like the biggest sports in the world. So not only cricket, but they've, one expert has sponsored like, they still sponsor FC Barcelona. They sponsored, I think, Tottenham, Chelsea, Liverpool in the UK until the, I think there was a 2019 report about them doing stuff on cockfighting and drug deals and all kinds of shit and they got shut down. Uh, but they still sponsor teams in South America. I mean, Asia, forget about it. That's what I'm going to do my next story on because. That's just a complete free-for-all. So they, they advertise and they get people looking at their brand in, say, the US and Spain and France and England. But they don't operate there. So they operate in, like, Angola and Ghana and Argentina and Singapore and, like, strange territories. So if you can get through to them, you can make the bets. So it's just, like, money laundering on an unbelievable level. Because the way it was described to me was, okay, why do you then make these fake games, right? You've got this fake betting site. You've got all these weird events. Why, why even do that? Why not just like set up a legit betting company or even don't get the licenses, just do it illegally? Well, the thing is, if you are the mob and you own the betting site, then you get the rewards from the games that you set up. So you can help all your friends launder all their cash. So you're just like, well, you don't even have to bet on anything. It's not a bet. All the money is going to come back to me, whether you lose it or win it. So I don't even have to put money into a front business if I'm a mobster. I can just bet on this fake cricket game that my pal in Moscow has set up. And whatever I get, whatever comes back out of it is clean money. So it's sort of like money laundering turbocharged. 
and this is a huge issue in Asia, like it's an even bigger issue, but by and large, there are two forms of this illegal betting world. There's Eastern Europe and there's triad stuff in Eastern South Asia. So they don't really touch each other. And one expert has clearly decided it's going to be the one going for this massive Indian market. None of the Chinese companies have tried it. So they kind of carve it up in a bit of a cartel way. Um, and so this is really I, a bunch of people. I spoke to folks at Interpol at the UN uh, and they were telling me this is just like the best way of laundering money these days. That's why so many of these weird betting sites are popping up all over the world. I mean, just the other day, one got caught out trying to uh, sponsor Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League, 7677. Don't have a website, don't have a phone number, don't have an email, don't have an address. But they're still like pumping money into professional sport. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty, pretty nuts. I want in. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way of making money. We should do it. They, yeah. And if six, yeah, seven, six, seven, eight, seven, five, or whatever wants to sponsor the pod, then come get it. We should, we should crack this code. But uh, I actually, I love this part though. You faked being a British investor interested in setting up a cricket league in Russia. Yeah. Well, I mean, once I realized there was this guy, I think he was described to me as a Pakistani, but that's just what all Indian guys in crime say about guys they want to like put on the hook because they don't like Pakistanis. But this guy was. <laughs> Don't he get us lived. involved. Do not get us involved in that back and forth, dude. There's <laughs> there's a few things. There's a few. There's a, uh, some smoke I don't want, and India, Pakistan, either. I just I don't want that, dude. Ah, oh, it's just a bunch of fun. I mean, there. One of the things that was kind of stinky about the police reports is they hooked the entire ring on like three random Pakistani guys, and they're like, "Oh, it's the Pakistani guys in Moscow. It's just the Pakistani guys." Like they're. They're, they're kind of corrupting our lovely Indian citizens. That was like the first red flag. Um, and at least two of the Pakistani guys I spoke to just had completely no idea what was going on whatsoever. So I spoke to the head of the Russian Cricket Federation. He didn't really want to get involved because he's like, these are pretty dangerous guys and I'm in Moscow. Like, fair enough. Uh, but this Zubir character that pops up in the story... Um, I just decided that the best way of doing that, I mean, he was going to shut down any kind of conversation I had. So I just wanted to see whether he would be open to the idea of setting up a fixed league for some rich British businessman in Yaroslav or the city near Moscow where all this stuff goes on. And uh, yeah, he was pretty open to it. And he was the one that was telling me there were these two kinds of games. You know, uh, you can set up a real one where people don't fix the games or you can set up a complete fixed bullshit one. Uh, and so I had a conversation with him on Telegram for, for weeks. I think it was in the end. Um, we've got all kinds of juicy information out of him. Uh, but I didn't want to throw him in under the bus, but yeah, he, he basically can confirmed that this stuff is going on in a big way. And between him, Misha and the Federation chief who was saying, yes, this is a huge problem. Uh, you've got pretty damning evidence that one expert is not only making these fake cricket leagues to launder money, but it's also trafficking South Asian men into Europe in order to do so. And that's kind of another level of criminality that uh, I don't think has really been reported before, uh, even by Josma and a couple of others that have spoken about these so-called ghost games. Um, but everyone I spoke to said that's well within the purview of a company like OneXBet. Uh, and I guess that comes down to who it's run by and what it's all about because it really is organized crime. And the reason I'm ha happy to say this is because they're not litigious. 
the story's out there. They haven't even had a comeback on it. They don't give a shit. You're really like, scared. You're really scared about being sued right now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Not again. Christ. Not another hundred mil. I can, Are we going to have to go through this po- the podcast episodes and just like the censor stuff now because you're you're tired. Of, your your retainers are getting worn up or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty up for going to LA to to fight the case with Rolling Stone. Though that'd be funny as hell. But um, maybe not. Something. Bet. I don't want to go to Moscow. Something tells me the case isn't gonna gonna last much longer and then we can hopefully do an episode about it and talk about everything but uh we'll see yeah i'm actually kind of interested now in that guy's journey home right the guy who was trafficked first ends up stacking those boxes then he gets home to india somehow from russia did he just they just like let him fly back or did he escape and like i don't know how how the hell do you get back from there from from russia right the guy who the original guy davda right who goes there is trafficked there lied to ends up in the factory then he ends up back home in india right yeah, he just goes back to his home village, Mollipur. And I, I can't say for like certainty how these folks get on his case afterwards. I don't know how those conversations look like. But the way that he described it to me was that he was definitely under duress. So the way I'm imagining it is the Russians already have this sort of small clique of guys who are trying to set up a league like this near Delhi. And they've got this guy Davda who they clearly see something in and they're like, okay, well, if you, if you start set up a league in your village all the way over the other side of India, uh, then you can take home a bit of this gold and you can have a bit of treasure to go with it and you can get yourself out of debt. So I guess he was under enough pressure financially and they could kind of crowd him with their guys very quickly in his home village. Um, and, Every question that I tried to ask him about, you know, how much pressure you under or did they make you do this? He's kind of like nodding and winking in a little way, which made me, you know, he wouldn't say outright, but I think he was under a, a great deal of stress from these gangsters to set up this league. I don't, I don't think that saying no was ever going to be an option for him. And I mean, he needed the cash anyway, so he had to do it. I mean, there's no, there's no other way that he was going to make a few grand, uh, legally in that village where there's absolutely nothing going on. I mean, it's like 40-something degrees C. No one even steps outside in the summer, so you could barely do anything. Um, it was pretty amazing they even played cricket, to be honest. I'd be dead. But, yeah, I, I think he was I think he was a pawn. I think he was a very clever pawn. He managed to set up this sort of equipment and all this stuff, but I think he was a victim, ultimately. And it kind of showed that in the wake of the reporting of the story, all of the players, all of the people who'd be involved in it didn't get involved in the media circus. They kind of went to ground. Some of them left town. They were really scared. And there's only, uh, I can't see a reason to be scared if there wasn't a kind of level of organized crime laying over the top of it, um, threatening them. So where do, where do things end up now? Well, I mean, the, the league gets shut down. Uh, Davda spends a short time, of, short time in prison, uh, as do the two umpires that he gets that were definitely in on it. And then a couple of the other guys that tried to set up the leagues in Delhi or near Delhi, they, they end up doing a short amount of time as well. But everyone just gets off basically and they get tiny minor dis- misdemeanors. The players are let go immediately. Everything's shut down. The cops have still got all the equipment and stuff in the, in the police station and it gets swept under the carpet and that's the end of it. Um, 
except that if you go online now, there's just as many games, fake games being played as there ever were. No one touched 1xBet. I was the first person to report about 1xBet and the link between them and Misha and this Indian league. And actually... Ooh, look at you. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> give me give me brownie points. And, yeah, uh, no, you deserve them, dude. I'm pro Sean. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> and... um but if you but the world the cricket world cup started a couple of days ago in India and 1xbet is present and it sponsors teams through this fake site well not a fake site but it's like a news website I'm doing air quotes called 1xbat see what they did there and they are all over cricket still and what they do is because 1xbet can't operate in India because that would be illegal they set up 1xBat, which is a news website, uh, which people can access on Telegram and on a pretty shoddy website. But what you do is you go to the news about the games, but then you can click a link and you can get through to a kind of embedded version of the betting website. So it just l- leaves one level of distance between the bet, the betting and the cricket. Uh, and that's enough for the Indian authorities not to bother chasing them because I mean, everyone that I spoke to in India says that people pretty high up get paid off by these betting companies. And when you think about the amount of money that a public official gets in India compared to the amount of money running through these sites, um, you can pretty easily formulate a, a kind of picture of how people get bought off. I met a cop in Ahmedabad that showed me all these for, uh, like illegal apps and betting sort of websites that are endorsed by some of the biggest stars in the country, like Bollywood stars and TV presenters, all completely illegal, but they kind of just fly under the radar because the authorities have given up trying to really police it. So there is gigantic amounts of money flowing through this sport. Um, and, you know, this was one attempt to build something pretty wild and outlandish uh, and try and catch on the coattails of the IPL. But there's tons and tons of stuff going on every day in India that's completely part of this black market and the cops aren't picking up. And 1xBet seems to be doing just fine as well, uh, except for its founder. Um, and that's kind of another part of this story that gets even more dark and macabre. What What is the other part of the story? Well, I was halfway through finishing a sort of third or fourth draft of this piece and then somebody sent me a link to a pretty obscure website and it was that Sergei Karshkov, one of the founders, the former FSB intelligence op- operator uh, in a city called Bryansk, which is right near Ukraine, um, he'd shown up dead in a Swiss hospital, in a Zurich private hospital. Uh, he'd been getting an MRI scan, a pretty routine scan. And the official line is that he had an allergic reaction to the, uh, I think, the, the thing called the pigment that they use for the scan. And he died right there and then. He was 42 years old, fit as a fiddle. Uh, had a record of, of questioning the war in Ukraine. I think he was half Ukrainian, half Russian. And some of the founders involved in 1xBet had sort of been on the lam officially from Russia for evading tax for years and years. They set up in Cyprus. Um, and they became slightly controversial even in Russia for doing so. So they weren't just poning the authorities in like, you know, Ghana and India and the US and the UK, they're actually also on the run from Russian authorities. And then this guy goes for a routine checkup. You know, he's, he's 
he's a fucking billionaire. So he goes for a routine checkup at this super, super fancy Zurich hospital and he winds up dead, um, young. And some people lump this in with the sort of slew of oligarch deaths that have occurred, uh, across Russia in the last couple of years since the war broke out. Uh, I would too. I think it's extremely, uh, rare for something like this to happen. Uh, a friend of mine who's a doctor in the UK said that the chances of someone dying like that are so close to zero. They're basically impossible. Uh, not least in a sort of swish, uh, upscale private institution in the middle of switzerland so seems like this guy was murdered um but we don't know for sure so that was just another part of this strange twisted tale that popped up right in the middle of reporting it all um i couldn't get through to them i got through to a guy in london who just assured me that no games were rigged um but couldn't tell me why and that was my only kind of interaction with one expert but it's a it's a really weird tale and if anyone can actually read or hear or like understand Russian. There's a really good Forbes Russia YouTube documentary about this company uh, that is a lot more critical and sort of deeply investigated than you expect from uh, Russian Forbes. Although I guess Russian Forbes has its own history in Moscow with people getting assassinated. But yeah, if you want to read that, uh, you want to check that out. That's really good. Um, my next bet is extremely odd. They're based in Limassol in Cyprus and the, uh, they are still at it. Nice. Well, uh, dude, thanks for, for doing this. We're still out there doing real shit. At least you are. <laughs> um, for well, the most part. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> bonus content as always, patreon.com slash the underworld podcast, underworldpod.com for the websites, uh, YouTube, TikTok, all that. Uh, anything else, man? I think we're going to do some stuff about the Rolling Stone story soon. I think I'm going to be able to talk about that. That's kind of another wild, weird one. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we can do some stuff on that in the coming week or two because that is uh, another thing that swallowed up my life for a long time. It's out there. Read it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, until next time. (laughs) 